Alrighty, my man. All right. It's good to be here with you today. Um, my parents are here, and my brother, and her, and his girlfriend. Uh, I don't want to put them on the spot, but I just did. So, can we honor them? They're sitting there on that side. I want to give honor to them because you know a lot of who I am is from them. You know, they. Um, as I grew older, I began to realize more and more that. Having parents that are Christian is not the norm, per se. You know, I used to always, because I just grew up at a church that had a private school, so I always thought everyone just came from the school, so everyone just has parents that are Christian. But as I actually started to just meet more people outside of that one circle, I realized how blessed I was and, um, you know, that God really did take care of me and set me apart because of their faithfulness. And I didn't even mean to share this, but just as the Spirit of the Lord is just telling me to share this, is that, you know, my parents, um, we went to a church, and they still go to the church in San Francisco, and then my father, he got a job in Santa Clara, so we moved to Milpitas, and when I was like three years old, and um, every Sunday, we would get up, and we would go to church in San Francisco. And I, would, and I think just that faithfulness, that precedence, really made a mark on me. Because as a kid, you just ask yourself, why are we driving in the hour one way every Sunday to go to church? And you just because you just know there's something about God. And that's when I knew God was real. Because if God wasn't real, why would they do that? And you know, there was times, or I, I don't know if I ever told my dad this, there was times, well, time to confess, that I would pretend that I, 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 would pretend that I didn't hear my alarm, but I was up. And uh, he would tell me, get up. And he would, you know, go and get ready and come back. And in 15 minutes, he would, I would still be in bed. And he'd be like, get up. And I'm like, yeah, and I pretend I'm asleep. He would shake me, right? And he'd leave. And the third time, he would say, get up. I didn't get up. I was hoping that he would just leave me. Or I was hoping that I would make us so late that he wouldn't want to go anymore. I know it's horrible, right? So I'm just like a punk kid. So I remember one time he said, he said, get up. And he literally just took me and threw me out the bed. And then he left. He walked out. So... There you go. So, and that, that set a precedence too. So I stopped pretending. Um, I don't know why I shared that, but I just want you to know that my family is really important and they're part of who I am. That, and that, you know, I, this, is not, this is not even about me. This is about God and what he's done around me and through other people in me. And so, um, and with that, it's also my wife. You don't know, Anna is my wife. You know, we've been married for five years and five five plus years now and so it's pretty amazing and um you know she's everything that I need she's everything that I'm lacking you know she's the perfect provision from God for me and I mean that and so I'm very blessed to have her um yeah so what's that to do with my sermon I don't even know but I just wanted to give her honor um you know I think also yeah I just man I did not expect worship to go like that God is good you know part of me feels like I don't even need to preach because because worship was so good, but, I'm gonna, but in faith, I'm going to do it. So today, I want to talk to you about spirit of life, and I want you to be honest with you that, you know, when I heard spirit of life, I didn't really know what to expect, because we hear terms sometimes, and we don't really know what that means, you know, like spirit of life. So in my mind, I'm wondering what you think, too, when you hear, oh, God, you know, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of life. Like, what do you really think you're going to get? Like, if, someone, like if Jesus literally came to you and said, I'm going to give you the spirit of life, like, what would you expect? Is it going to come in a box? <laughs> like, I, like, no, like, really, I, I don't know. Like, what's going to happen? Like, am I, is, am I going to feel something? Like, it, I mean, do I have to do something? Do I have to apply? Like, I just, like, we don't really understand 
what that really means. Even the word life, like, do we really understand what that means? And I was talking with Anna about this, and um, so I think I'm talking about two things today. I really feel like God wants to redefine what we think life is. Because what we think life is is not what God thinks life is. How we define life is not how God defines life. And I think that's a lot of times a lot of the frustration that we have as Christians. Because we go into becoming a Christian and we're like, yeah, I'm a new creation, right? First Corinthians, yeah, I'm, I'm new. I have new life. And then we think that it's one thing and then God's doing something else. And then we're like, that's not what I signed up for. And that's frustration, right? You know, whenever your expectation does not meet reality, that's frustration, right? And so I feel like there's a lot of frustration among Christians um, because we don't have the right perspective on what life is. So when God says spirit of life, what are we really talking about? What is the Holy Spirit really going to give us? And then I'm going to talk about how do we get it, okay? So let's go to the Word. I don't want to talk too much. We need the Word of God. So Romans 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. Next one. This is verse 5 and 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So that's what we're talking about right now. That's what we're talking about right now. So how do I set my mind on the spirit of life, on the spirit to get life and peace? And the first part, it says, Jesus has set us free for the law of the spirit of life has set you free. So life, life, life. So I was going through Instagram. I actually don't go through Instagram that often, to be honest with you. I made it. And then I realized, I'm going to be honest with you about social media. I don't like it. And it's just not a knock on it. It's just not me. I just, I try really hard. So if you look, if you look at my Instagram, this is not a plug to get more followers. I don't, I don't even care to get more followers. If you follow me, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to post nothing. <laughs> so I'm not even trying to get, this is not a plug. Uh, I'm not even going to tell you my handle, so don't worry about it. So I remember like, I was like, I felt like two years ago, God, I'm going to be, I want to go on social media. I'm going to try to be more transparent. I'm going to try to share my life more. And I just realized, like, I just can't do it in that, in, in that medium. So I'm nothing against it. I just can't do it in that medium. So now I have an Instagram account. And then, I don't know, is it, is, is it etiquette? I just Facebook, is that what they call, like, Facebook stock people or, like, Instagram stock people? Because I don't post anything, but I look at other people's stuff. So I feel like I'm just a taker of Instagram. I'm not a giver. I don't know if that makes me a stalker. but So that's what I am. So, and I apologize if you feel like, oh, I followed this guy. He never posts anything, but he just keeps liking my stuff. I don't know if you feel like I'm not keeping up my end of the bargain. I just, I apologize for that. It's not, it's just not me. If you want to know me, I'd rather just tell you in person. So, why am I talking about this? Because I was scrolling through Instagram, and I saw this one hashtag that made me kind of laugh. It says, hashtag, living my best life. You guys know what I'm talking about? People do that all the time. And I got really confused, because I didn't know if it was a joke, like they're being sarcastic, or they're being serious. I really didn't know. So, so I put down some of my favorite ones that I saw. Okay, so people, so there was one post where, you know, so, so some made sense. So someone posted, like, I'm on vacation, hashtag living my best life. Okay, I'm at a concert, hashtag living my best life. Um, some was, I'm sitting at a cafe. So, I mean, you really like coffee, so you're just like, oh, I'm living my best life. Okay. Some was like, oh, I'm sitting at home, like, on a Saturday, not doing anything, 
they're not listening to the rain or something, right? Or Netflix all day, right? And they're like, hashtag living my best life. I don't know. You know I, mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's cool if you like that. And then, um, so from the, some of them were really funny. Some of them was like, like, oh, like, happy Friday, just because it was Friday. I'm living my best life. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, okay. And then some of them was like, I don't know if it was a joke. Like, this one was like a girl. She was just like by herself, like dinner for one. She's like, hashtag living my best life. And I was like... I didn't know if that was a joke or if that was serious. So I didn't know what to make of that. My favorite one was when the people put food. So like this one where like this guy had Popeyes. He's like, oh, living my best life. I was like, oh, okay. And then another one was like eating hot Cheetos and watching TV. He's like, oh, living my best life. So I'm like, okay, well. And it just got me thinking, like, is that what we really think? Living my best life? It's not, it's not against it. I mean, I know it's a joke, but it's just a good question. Like, like, when we think about that hashtag, what are we going to put that after? Like, what do we really think living our best life is? You know? And so, and, and, and that's what we're talking about, right? If we expect the Spirit to give us life, we want it to be the best life, right? God doesn't give you anything less. And so this is where I feel like the whole misconception happens, you know? So what would you put in that post? I think that's my question to you. When would you put that hashtag after, right? Maybe you're on vacation. That's good. Maybe you're relaxing. These just not bad. So these, I, I, I want to preface this. None of those things are bad. But is that the best thing? Because this is not a, this is not a, this is, God's not talking about what's good and what's bad. God's talking about what's good and what's best. Right? We're talking about living the best life, living our best life. And so what would you put, right? So, you know, like um, vacation, traveling somewhere. Maybe you got your dream job. Maybe you got something you really worked hard at and you got like a, your, your degree, your diploma on something, right? Maybe it's being with someone you really like, you know, living my best life. Maybe if you're an introvert, it's like it is being by yourself, watching Netflix, right? And so I wonder what it is that we really feel like is living our best life, you know? And um, I had, I, I did youth ministry for about eight years. And I had, oh my gosh, I think the Lord was punishing me. I, um, I, <laughs> the group of guys that I had, oh man, they put me through the ringer, you know, um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm jealous of Anna's group of girls that she had when we did youth group, because they were all like so holy, they're like so righteous, like they all served on like worship, and they were like prayer warriors, and then like during our wedding, they surprised us with a special song, like my guys like didn't even RSVP, I had to like call them, and like, are you coming? Yeah, yeah, you know I'm coming. I'm like, no, I don't know that you're coming. You're 16. No, I don't know. And one of them, this is my fear, one of them didn't RSVP, but he showed up. But I feel bad, right? Because I'm not going to tell a 16-year-old to go home. How's he going to go home? So I had to, like, he basically sat on, <laughs> he sat on someone's lap during the banquet. They had to share food. That, but that's, see, that was my fear. Like, that was going to happen, and it happened. So those are my guys, right? So... I was like, Lord, either you're punishing me or I failed you. So I was like, do any of these people love the Lord? Oh, man. So, so I'm bringing them up. I'm bringing them up because I, it was, I, I remember I had this one conversation with one of them. It's actually fairly recently. So now they're in college. So I, I was with them all through middle school and high school. So I just met with them. He came back, you know, from Davis, and we were just having dinner, talking, um, because, yeah, he's back for summer. Or for the, it was in summer, yeah. 
And so I was talking with him, and I was asking him, hey, how are you doing? You know, and I think he just assumes, because I'm his youth leader from the past, I'm going to ask him about God, so maybe that makes him feel guilty. So he just kind of, like, volunteered information. He's like, oh, yeah, by the way, um, I'm not going to church. I was like, oh, okay, I didn't ask you, but okay. And, he, and then I was like, oh, uh, is there a reason for that? I mean, I just want to know, like, what are your thoughts on that? And he's just like, oh, you know, I'm just, um, you know, I've got other things going on right now. I was like, oh, that's good. Like, I, I said, are, you know, are you having a good time at college? He's like, yeah, I'm having a great time at college. You know, like, I joined a fraternity. I have a lot of friends. I, you know, I have a lot of connections now. Like, I'm doing really well in class. So he's reading off all these things to me. And then, and then I don't know, is he going to listen to this? It's okay. He can listen to this. And so, you know, he's, like, getting tattoos. He's living the life, right? And he's, like, going to parties. And he's actually a really nice guy, actually. And so I said to him, like, I just asked him a question. I said, do you think you can have God and that? And he said to me, he said, I don't think God wants me to have those things. And so that's the first lie I want to break off right now. I think a lot of people feel like when we talk about living life with God or becoming a Christian, we feel like God's asking us to give up a lot of stuff. And I want you to know that's not true. I want you to know that God's goal is not to control you. God's goal is not to take away things that you like so that you can like him more. So there's a picture, right, of like a father. He's a father, okay? What father, in being loving to their children, that's like saying, I'm never going to give my son a toy because I don't want him to like it more than me. I want you to know that's not God. God would never do that. God would never say, oh, I can never bless you with anything because you're going to love that more than me. First of all, God's not that insecure. (laughs) God knows that he's God, So he can bless you and know that you're going to still know who he is and love him. Secondly, that's not a good thing. That's not a good God, right? We wouldn't define God as good if he was to say to any of us, I'm afraid that you're going to like this more than me. I want you to know God's not afraid to bless you. I want you to know God's not afraid to give you good things. But he wants you to not only have good things, but we're talking about the best thing. Okay, so that's the first lie that I had to tell him was wrong. But secondly, this was really funny. He said to me, oh, you know, I know God's important. Like, I know God. Like, I'll do that later. I said, later? (laughs) Why would you do it later? And he said, oh, I'm having too much fun right now. And he said, I'll I'll, I'll do the God thing later. And so I think the second thing that we feel like when we become a Christian is that we feel like we're not supposed to have fun anymore. Like, we're only supposed to do holy things. You know, you you guys know what I'm talking about? So it's like, oh, if you had too much fun, God don't like that. So, like, I give you an example where people are like, oh, you know, like, if I become a Christian, that means I can't, like, I can't listen to secular music because it's too much fun. Like, I, okay, first of all, I'm a bad example. I don't even listen to secular music. It's, it's, I'm not saying you can't. I'm just bad at it. I just, like, I, I don't know. That means, like, you can't listen to Taylor Swift or, or you can't listen to Drake or whatever. I don't know any of the songs now. <laughs> but if you're into that, I want you to know you can listen to it. Or that's like saying, like, oh, I can't watch R-rated movies, right? Or I can't watch, you know, Game of Thrones. I never watched it. Um, this is really bad examples. <laughs> I should pick examples from my own life. But, like, Game of Thrones, right? Like, oh, you're like, there's, like, sex and, like, nudity. And then there's, like, blood and stuff. So, like, God, you know, I'm having too much fun watching Game of Thrones, so I can't watch Game of Thrones. Or I can't, like, drink alcohol. You know, I can't do this. I can't do that. You know, it's too much fun. You know, I have to do, like, holy stuff. So I have to have fun doing holy stuff. Like, I got to, like, have a lot of fun, like, reading the Bible. Or I have to have a lot of fun, like, going to, going to Bible study or, like, listening to worship music, you know, and, and I think that's the total wrong idea. God, God doesn't want you to not have fun, but if that's your end goal, you miss the whole point of life, because I don't think fun is actually the best thing for you. 
know, John Piper, he's, John Piper is really intense. I don't know if he's the best example, but John Piper is super intense. He said that Christianity is not fun, but I actually agree with him. It's not fun, but it's a lot of other things. And the best example I can give you, and I'm going to be careful now, is my marriage. Because, hear me out, hear me out. Oh, 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 oh. Ooh, Spirit of the Lord fell. Spirit of the Lord is falling right now. But I want you to know there's a point to this. I want you to know that after five years of marriage, or ask any married couple if they would use the adjective fun to put with their marriage. And I will tell you right now, they would not. Now, marriage is a lot of other things that are good, but it's not fun. Because let me tell you something. Fun is the connotation. <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't even broken. I got it. I didn't say nothing wrong yet. Well, <laughs> fun has a connotation of no responsibility in a sense, right? Fun is just, it's fun also has a connotation of selfishness because it's about me. I'm having fun. Fun is also has a connotation. Connotation doesn't always mean, but has a connotation that it is accessed easily. It comes quickly. It comes on demand. When I want something fun, I'm going to do this. When I want to be entertained, I do this. Let me tell you something. Marriage is not like that. Okay? If you think that you're going to marry someone and that they're going to come when you want them to, you're wrong. You need to go to them and say yes whenever they ask you something. It's the opposite. If you think that marriage is about you, you're wrong. Marriage is about the other person. Marriage isn't about what they're going to do for you. Marriage is what you're, going about to, what you're about to do for them. Did I fix it? Yeah. That's good. Last one. Marriage is not cheap. It doesn't come quickly. You know, after being married with Anna for five years, you know what? I realized that I have a lot to work on. I'm being serious. You know, we think that when we date, I have to be ready to get married. Come I mean, all the people know who are dating in serious relationships, you're never going to be ready. That's not, that, that's not why you decide to put the ring on the finger when you're ready. You put the ring on the finger because you're ready to work, not because you're ready. Do you get what I'm saying? And I want you to know that's the same with God. God does not want you to not have fun, but that's not the end goal because God's not about giving you things that come cheap, come quickly, that things that only benefit you or are focused on you. He wants to give you something deeper, something greater, something better. Okay? So let's get into, let's get into an example. Let's go to the Garden of Eden. And I say that because Adam and Eve is a snapshot of how we can see what it was like to live the best life. Because they had the opportunity to live with God in the garden. So, so, so let's look into that. So I don't have it up. I just realized I didn't give it to you, Sammy. That's my bad. But I'm going to read it to you. I'm reading from Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. I'm going to go straight to the rule that God gave them. And so I want to paint the picture for you, okay? So God created paradise, right? He created the heavens and the earth. And he formed the earth and all that's in it water, land, sky, all the plants, all the animals, and it's perfect, right? And he said it was good. And then he created man. He breathed life into him. He said it was good. And then he rested. And then he came to Adam, and he made him in charge of everything 
to name all the animals, to take care of it, and to tend the garden. Then he gave him this one rule. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, we're living our best life, right? We got all the animals around, you know, we got panda bears, red tigers, uh, baboons and platypuses, everything's good, right? We got like all the, all the fruit we could ever want. And then God comes and people, I heard people say this, I heard a secular philosopher who tried to trick one of my friends say, if God was really good, why would he even put that rule there? Because everything was perfect. So now you're, now you're insinuating that by putting this rule there, it makes it more perfect. And he said, that's not, that's not loving. Why would God do that? If God was loving, he would just let them enjoy it, right? It's all perfect. What, what does he need to protect them from? He's insinuating that there's something that's not good in the garden that he has to protect them from. Does that make sense? Does that line of logic make sense? That's, that's how this philosopher tried to trick one of my friends. He tried to tell him, in him creating a rule, he is implying that something is wrong that needs to be avoided, to be protected from. Now, that would be correct, but see, that, that philosopher made a huge, huge, big assumption. And this is the assumption that we all make, too. He made the assumption that the garden was paradise because what was inside of it. I'm here to tell you today that the garden was paradise because of who was inside of it. Let me tell you something. God is what made the Garden of Eden paradise. It don't matter what was in the garden. It was good because he was there. It was good because he dwelt there. Let me tell you, if there was no tigers, no panda bears, no bananas, no mangoes, no apples, no water, if there was nothing, I'm going to tell you right now, if it was a desert, but the presence of God was there, that's paradise. And that philosopher made a wrong assumption. So he's saying, oh, the paradise is what they can enjoy. It's what they can do. No. God said, I'm going to put this, this one rule here. Because what it did was it created a dynamic. It created a situation where Adam and Eve had to make a decision. They had to choose what they were going to do. Whether they were going to obey one of two things. One of two laws. And we talked about this in Romans. It's either the law of what God says or law of what anyone else says, which is sin and death, period. doesn't matter. Anyone else that says something that's not of God is sin and death, period. So, so that's also a bonus one. So let me tell you something. If someone tells you something and it's not of God, that's sin and death. I want you to know that right now. There is only one way that is life. It has to come from God. So they had a choice to make. See, now, I'm going to go back to that question. Should God have not put it there and just let them enjoy everything? He could have. He could have. But you know what would have happened? If God did that, they wouldn't have had a relationship with him. You know what I'm saying? Because they, because they didn't have to choose. There, there was no choice put before them. They would just go and enjoy everything with no rules. And see, that's the thing that we think about rules and laws, our biggest misconception, is that we think that God's trying to control us. I want you to know something. God's not trying to control you with rules and laws. The whole purpose of his rules and laws is to show you who he is. It's to draw you to him. It's to guide you to him. Okay? He put that there so that they would have to make a decision. Do I really believe that God is good? Do 
do I really believe that he's good? Do I really desire him over everything else that I see? And I think that's the question that God asks us right now. So we're talking about what is life again, right? What's our best life? A lot of times we're like Adam and Eve. We think that our best life is what's in the garden. I want you to know, guys, there's no life outside of God. There's no life without him. It don't matter what's in your life. It doesn't matter what's in there. It could be paradise. You could be living the perfect life. You'd be living every dream that you have. But if you don't have God, it's nothing. And I mean that. You want to you wanna call all the lottery winners? Ask them what they think about that? I mean, that's not a joke. That didn't solve anything. You want to ask all the celebrities who have all the fame, all the glory, all the attention? Ask them what they think. They have everything at their fingertips. Every vacation home they could ever want. Every place they could ever go to. All the money that they, they could ever have. Buy anything they want. Have any person that they want. Ask them. Ask them. So what are we missing? I want you to know, when we talk about spirit of life, that's him. It's literally, he's saying, the spirit of life, what the Holy Spirit is giving you, is himself. And I think the amazing thing about our worship this morning is I think you guys got a little taste of that. That's life. That was living. When we were in the presence of God, when we were worshiping, that's hashtag living your best life. I mean that. Because nothing else mattered. Nothing else mattered. I want you to know something. You cannot live your best life if God's not in it. That's it. Life is with God. There's no other life outside of him. Now I want to go back to laws because I think we misinterpret God's rules. And so here's my second part. Once we understand what life is, now you're like me, right? I'm a Christian. Try to live right. Try to do right. So now we have to understand how do we live in that? And this is where the biggest misconception happens because there's two lies that most of us believe. We believe either one, we either take his laws too seriously, and, and I'll get there. That sounds really bad. That sounds slightly blasphemous. I, I'll, I'll get back to that. We either take his laws too seriously, or we don't take them seriously enough. Okay? So let's start with the first group of people, that we take his laws too seriously. What I mean by that is that we feel like when we sin, God's going to punish us. And I feel like someone or people in this room right now know what I'm talking about. We feel like if we mess up, God's going to punish us. Like he's just standing over us waiting for you to mess up. Like he's just keeping track. He's just writing down everything. It's like, oh, you're about to mess up. And he's just going to like curse you or be against you. But you know, that couldn't be farther from the truth. That is not God. That is not God. Can I be honest with you guys? I'm going to speak from experience. So growing up, Actually, yeah, I'm not, yeah. Growing up, I struggled with looking at pornography a lot. It was tough. And that ripped me up. Like, I was a Christian, you know, serving in the church, youth leader. And I knew it was wrong. So I'm trying really hard to change. Like, I'm trying my hardest. Like, I'm trying everything. Like, nothing's working. And every time I mess up, I was just like, Lord, I felt so defeated. I felt so discouraged. I felt so dirty. I felt so, like, unworthy. I felt so much shame and so much guilt. But you know what? I realized in the end, that wasn't from God. That wasn't from God. I didn't mean that. And I feel like today, there's people who struggle with that too. That you feel like every time you mess up, whatever it is, maybe you have an addiction like me. Maybe you have... Um, a relationship problem. Maybe you have, you know, a habit that you can't break. 
a sin that you've been trying to get past. And you feel like every time you mess up, God's far from you. God doesn't want anything to do with you. God's going to punish you. I'm here to tell you today that's nothing farther from the truth. You know, one time when I messed up and I went back to my bed, I was so sad, laid in bed. I didn't even want to pray. I didn't even want to try to ask God for forgiveness because I felt like, God, I ask you forgiveness all the time. I ask you for forgiveness like every day. (laughs) And it's like, how could I ask you again? You know what he gave me a picture of? He showed me what he what actually happens. And I want to and I want to share this with you. He showed me me sitting at the computer doing bad things. And he showed Jesus walking in. And he showed Jesus looking at me. But he had eyes of love. He's not angry. It wasn't like well, you on the podcast can't see. I'm trying to make my mean face. It wasn't that he had eyes of love. He came over to me. He put his hand on my hand, and he moved my hand off the keyboard, and he said to me, that's not who you are. He said, put that down. He said, look at me. That's not who you are. And then I woke up. I want to give that to you today, because I believe that that's what the Lord thinks of all of you. He doesn't come to condemn. Jesus said, I did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. I want you to know if you're struggling with sin, yeah, I understand. And is God happy about it? No, he's not happy about it. But you know what? He's not against you. He comes to you. He knows that's not who you are. He's asking you to put it down, to look him in the eye, and to remember who you are. So I want to break off that first lie. The people who take it too seriously. That's what I mean by too seriously, Okay. But there's a second group of people who don't take it seriously enough. There's a second group of people who are much like my friend, who are having too much fun, who feel like, God, you're going to tie me down. You're going to hold me back. I, I got all these other things that I want to do. I got all these things. You know, you're, you're just, you know, Christianity, I didn't realize, like, it's all about these laws and rules and doing this and doing that. And I have to pray now and I have to go to community group and I have to go to Wednesday night prayer. I have to show up early for church shift. Like, man, I can't even make it at 11. You want me to show up at 10? And I have to, like, serve in the house and then I got to, like, give my money and then I got to, and you feel like it's all this list. You miss the whole spirit of what's happening. And you think that you're being tied down. See, we think that when we read that verse that the spirit of life has freed us, we hear the word freedom, we don't understand freedom. So let's talk about freedom really quick. We think freedom means I'm separated from everything. I'm free from everything. That's not freedom. <laughs> you know what that is? If you're free from everything, I think of two words. I think of <laughs> you're alone, first of all. And secondly, I think of chaos. God didn't say he was going to free you from everything. He said he was going to free you from sin. Now, I know some of you are thinking, or some of you may not, but I know some people are thinking in this world, well, I'm not a slave to anything. I'm not a slave to sin. I'm just doing me. I'm just going to do me. Is that, do people still say that? I, I'm old, guys. I don't even, like, I use, like, yeah, I'm not even cool. Like, like people are, like, all the time, like, I'm going to do me. I'm going to do me, bro. I'm just going to do me. Like, do you. I'm going to do me. Right? Like, do you. I'm going to do me. I'm okay. Do you. Okay. I'm, I guess I'll do me. You know? And so people say that all the time. Like, okay, I, I'm, not, I'm not doing sin. I'm just, I'm just doing me. Right? I'm just going to do, like, what I think is important. Doesn't God care about that? Doesn't God want that for me? Now, that's tricky. But let me tell you something. There's only two laws in this universe, like I told you before. 
There's only the way of God and everything else. Let me tell you something. God's not trying to not let you do those things. But you see, we think that we're supposed to be free from everything so we can do what we want. No, Jesus came to free you from sin so you could be with him. So let me tell you something. It's so ironic because this is the picture. You're, you're telling Jesus, come into my life so I can be free from sin. But then I'm going to turn around and I don't want anything to do with you. And I'm actually just going to go right back to what I was doing. Do you see the irony in that? You see the irony in that? We're telling God, I want your presence. I want your grace. Okay, I receive the gift of eternal life. That's good. And then we're going to say, now I don't want that. I don't want you. I just wanted that gift. So now I'm just going to go back and do what I did. Now I'm going to explain to you why actually you are giving into sin when you do you. When you do you, you do sin. Is that, is that, is that, is that I'm, not even, I'm not even on Twitter either. I have a Twitter, but I would never tweet. I have a Twitter just to get shoes. I have a Twitter so I could go on Nike Town and DM and try to get releases. <laughs> anyway, so, oh, is this cutting in now? All your desires, they're not bad. But I want you to know, mixed within them is your sinful nature. And you can't, de- you can't decipher the difference. And I'm going to give you a perfect example. We say that nothing holds us down, right? I want you to know, the scripture says that we're all slaves to something. And if you think about it, you are. You're a slave to something. Something is your master. You serve something. Something is your driving force. Okay. So whether it's an authority figure, whether it's a dream that you want, and, and, and some, some you know, accomplishment you want to do, whether it's a relationship and you give that person authority over your life, or it's yourself, then you become your own God. Now, if you become your own God and you think that you have it all together, that's a very big assumption. And let me tell you something. Without God, you don't. Because within each of us are things that we don't even want. How many of you in this room have fear that you don't want? How many in this room have anger that you don't want? How many in this room have depression that you don't want? How many of you in this room have greed, lust that controls you? You know, I hear all people all the time when they do, when they, you know, when they do things that they shouldn't. I hear this all the time. They say, I couldn't help it. Do you guys resonate with that? I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. You know what that's saying? That's you doing you. That's you doing you, boo. You just did you. You couldn't help it. Exactly. You're a slave to yourself. Does that make sense? I know it's circular logic, but think about it. You just did you. You couldn't help it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? You did something that you didn't want to do. Think about it. So those people who come up to me and say, I don't need God in my life. I'm just going to do me. Like, I know how to do me. I'm just going to follow what I want to do. But you don't even know what you want to do. You don't even know what's good for you. You don't even do what you really want to do. So I'm here to break off that lie. Don't do you. Yeah. you just, just bad idea. <laughs> Nike, just do it. No. That's a bad idea. I'm, man, I'm being serious. I was, just, I was trying to make a joke about Mountain Dew, but I couldn't do it. <laughs> but seriously, I mean that. I'm being serious, guys. If, if we follow our own desires, you're making a big assumption. You're making a big assumption that every desire that you have is even what you want. And can I also put another question out there? I'm not even sure if every one of you even know what you really want. 
If you say I'm going to do you, that means you think you have it all figured out. That means you think you know what's best for you, that you know what you really want. You know what's funny? I don't think none of us really know what we really want or what we really need. So I, I, I have to tell you something. Even being a slave to yourself, that's not life. That's not good. That's, also, that's almost the most dangerous one because you can't decipher what's really good and not within you. You know, the Bible says that all have sinned and uh, fall short of the glory of God. I want you to know what that really means is that by nature, we can't help but sin without God. Now, I'm not saying you're a bad person, okay? You're not a bad person. That's your sinful nature. We can't help but sin. We need God to free us from that. But God didn't just free you from that so you could go right back to doing that. <laughs> that's, that's, can I use the word stupid? That's stupid. <laughs> Thanks, Sharon. That's stupid. God freed you from that so you could do something better. So now I'm going to wrap this up. We're going to land this plane. Okay? Preachers always say that, so that just means that's like actually a 20-minute warning. It's not a five-minute warning. So, so how should we see the law then? Right? You say, okay, Jeremy, tell me all this stuff. It's great, whatever. It doesn't really change my life. Like, okay, fine. So people take it too seriously. People don't take it seriously enough. So what are you supposed to do? Okay, I'll tell you what you're supposed to do. So we have the verse from Hebrews. This is what the spirit of life does. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. What does it say? This is saying that God is not concerned about whether you do everything right. He's not concerned about you even having it figured out. Because what he's saying right here is, I'm going to tell you what to do. And it's going to be within your own heart. I'm going to write the law on your heart. Now, this is huge, because in the Old Testament, they didn't have that. That's how privileged we are in the New Covenant. In the Old Testament, they had to memorize the law. They had to look at the law and make sure they were doing everything. God did it all for you. God gave you cliff notes. He put it right on your heart. You think Kindle is good? That's like, I don't even know, that's like spiritual Kindle. He put it right on your heart. It's paperless. It's right there all the time at your fingertips. He put it in your hearts, and he wrote it on your mind. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Whenever we talk about the spirit of life, this is what we're talking about. The spirit gives you life because he literally puts his laws in you. Now, the word law has a very negative connotation. So I want to I propose a different word because most of us, when we think of the law, we think of getting pulled over for speeding. <laughs> or we think of bad laws that are made, you know. So Another word for law that I want us to use instead is the ways of the Lord. I'll put my ways on their hearts and write them on their minds. God's going to just, he's going to put it in you. He's just going to put it in you. I don't want to release anyone from striving. Can we go to the next verse in Galatians? This is what Paul says. He says, are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? This is one of the biggest misconceptions that I, ha that I see from Christians. We feel like it's all on us. We feel like we have to do everything. We have to do, 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 do. But it's not. So you know what? It's not, it's not even about you doing you or even you doing God. It's neither. Because within that, we're assuming that what God started by grace, we're going to try to finish on our own. I'm going to tell you right now, guys, nothing you do is going gonna, is gonna to change the way you think. And can I tell you how I overcame 
my my addiction to pornography because I think that that's going to give light into I think what we all desire. And so um, I'm going to be honest with you. It went, it went even into our marriage. And I want to speak into that because if you think that when you get married, it's just going to go away, I got news for you. It does not. It really doesn't. And so I remember I was being convicted by the Lord, like, I really got to fix this. This is not good. It went probably two, three, maybe even four years. And so I went and I confessed it to a pastor. And he told me, he said, Jeremy, you know what you need to do, right? And I was like, yeah. He's like, you got to tell your wife. I was like, yeah, I know. And so I drove home, and I was so scared. I was so scared because I knew I was going to hurt her. I was so scared. I remember I got out of the car, and I sat on the floor, and I just started praying. I just said, God, I don't even know what to do. I was like, I, I don't even know what to do. I said, God, even if I confess it to her, what if I screw up again? Like, like I got to put all my chips in on the table right now. <laughs> if I confess and I screw up and I have to confess a second time, do you know how much of an idiot I'm going to look like? No, seriously, like, she'll never trust me again. Like, this is it. Like, and I said, and I said, God, I don't even know if I'm ready to confess it because I don't got this handled. I, I don't know if I'm going to do this tomorrow. Like, I don't know. And I was like, God, please. I just said, God, I need you to do something. I need you. And I remember at that moment, I just fell, I, I, trance is a really strong word, okay? I think I just fell sleepy, and I fell asleep. Or I was slain in the spirit. <laughs> I cannot tell the difference. I really can't. And so what happened was I felt, this thing about falling asleep, I'll tell you guys, side story real quick. I tried to prepare my sermon on Friday. I was praying to God. I was like, God, I'm ready to pray the sermon. Lord, let your spirit fall. And I fell asleep. <laughs> Woke up at 1 a.m. I was like, I ain't got nothing done. I need to go to bed. I got class tomorrow <laughs> at 8 a.m. So that was no good. Anyway, so I fell, I fell asleep. And the Lord gave me a vision. And I saw myself on the floor. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's literally, I know it's used a lot. I don't know, like using terms that are used a lot, but it wasn't out of body and experience because I saw myself sitting on my own carpet in my house and I saw myself like struggling. Like it was like an angry myself. I was like angry and it looked like I was in torment. And, I, and then I could see that that tormented part of me was starting to like flicker and come out. And there was another me, like regular me, like sleepy me, like underneath. And I heard the spirit of the Lord say, call it out. And I said, I can't, Lord. And he said, call it out. He said, if you wanted to leave, he said, call it out. And so I just said, get out, get out, get out. And I just kept saying it over and over and over again. And suddenly, I felt like myself was being ripped into two. And that tormented me, shot up to the sky, and disappeared. And then I woke up. Now, what does that all mean? I have no idea. <laughs> I'm being serious. I don't know what that means. But I'm going to prophetically believe that God was saying, I did what you could not do. That's what I'm here to tell you guys today. It's not about what we do. I could never have overcome that addiction by myself. It's not about what we do. I, I tried everything. I'm being serious. I went to groups. I read books. 
I, I did that online thing. I found a way around that. You just go on your mobile phone. So anyway, oh, I shouldn't have said that, but anyway. <laughs> hey, yo, yo. <sighs> if you're keeping someone accountable on Triple X Church, make sure they install the app. Not just their desktop. Anyway, so, <laughs> so I tried everything. I'm being serious, guys. I efforted the crap out of that. Like, I tried to do everything because I hated it. So God didn't knock me. Like, it wasn't like I didn't care. But the point was that I couldn't get over it without him doing what only he can do. The moment that I said, I give up, God, I just need you, that's when he came down. The moment I said, God, I need you to do something right now because my wife's about to walk in that door. And I better come up with something good. And he showed up. Because the moment I woke up, guess who walked in the room? <laughs> but you know what? I had something to share. I was ready. And I'm going to stand here today as, as a prophetic sign of God that I have not looked at pornography even once since that day. Not even once. I'm not just talking about this stuff. Like you guys hear this stuff, like, oh, these preachers talk about this stuff. I'm telling you, I struggle with it too. I'm telling you, I know exactly what you're thinking. I know exactly what you're feeling. But I'm telling you today that the Spirit of the Lord is saying, let me do what only I can do. That's what it means by he's saying, don't perfect it in the flesh. Perfect it in the Spirit. That's what he's saying, but I'm going to write my law on your heart. He does the work. He does the work. So what do we do? Now I'm really landing the plane. Seriously, I'm really landing it now. What do we do, right? It's all great, Jeremy. Yeah, so we're all just supposed to pray and fall asleep. Is that, is that what we're supposed to do? No, no, no. I'm not telling you to pray and fall asleep, okay? I'm telling you that we have to give the Spirit permission. That's the word of the Lord today. Can we go back to that Romans verse? 5, 6, 8, 5, 6. It says, again, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds, that's the word, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. I feel like the word of the Lord for you today is to set your mind on the Spirit. But even in that, see, we think that that means doing stuff again. You, 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 can't, you can't even set your mind on God if you wanted to. Can I give you a real example? That's like me saying, God, God, I'm not going to mess up today. I'm not going to mess up today. And I see one person walk by. Boom, I'm messed up. I'm jacked up. Oh, God, I was trying to set my mind on you. I'm watching TV, minding my own business. Stupid commercial comes on, Victoria's Secret. Oh, that's from the devil. And then oh, I'm jacked up. I'm being, I'm being real with you guys. I try to keep my mind clean. I try to set my mind on the things of above. And it just comes like that. See, it's, even setting your mind is not about effort. It's not about you trying to think about God. That's not what that verse is saying. God, I'm going to think about you. God, I'm going to think about you. God, I'm going to think about you. That's not what that's saying. Uh-uh. We let him do the work. The Lord is saying, you just give him permission. We do two things. You acknowledge him, and you give him permission. That's the word of the Lord for you today. How we live our best life is when we acknowledge him, and we give him permission to do what he wants to do in our lives, to do what only he can do in our lives. That's it. Nothing else. Don't effort again. Don't ever effort again. Don't ever try to do something on your own again. Don't ever try to do something by your own willpower again. Because guess what? When your willpower runs out, your resolution's out the door. It's gone. It's dead. When, you, when, you, when your willpower runs out, when you, had, when you were tired, you didn't get enough rest, got a lot of pressure, got a lot of anxiety, boom, you're not in the right state of mind, you're going to fall again. But how are we set our mind on the spirit 
is we acknowledge him, even in your weakness, even saying, God, I'm real tired. I'm about to mess up right now, God. I should have done that. I never did. I should have said, God, I'm about to mess up right now. I need you to come right now. I need you to do what only you can do. I guarantee you I would have overcome that a lot faster. The Lord is saying to you today, acknowledge me in your time of need and give me permission to do what only I can do. The Spirit will never come in and do something when you don't give him permission. He's a gentle spirit. He's not going to come in and just break things and do whatever he wants. He gives you free will. So what's your work? Your work is you choose him. You say, I'm going to acknowledge the Lord today, and I'm going to give you permission to do what only you can do. Yeah, let's pray right now. I feel like the presence of the Lord is here. I feel like the spirit of the Lord is speaking to someone today. You've been struggling with something. You've been, you've been efforting. You've been trying. You've been trying to live a good life. I hear the Lord saying, you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. And you know what? You, he, he, in a sense, he's proud of you because he knows your heart, that you're trying, that, that your heart, you want to do good. But he's saying, my son, my daughter, you went about it the wrong way, though. Your desire is correct, but your method was wrong. Your desire was correct, but your execution was poor. Your desire was correct, but your confidence was put in the wrong thing. Your desire was correct, but you put your hope in yourself. He's saying, put your hope in me. And I feel like there's someone today who's struggling with an addiction, who wants to break free from that. And I want to tell you right now, the Spirit of the Lord is here today, and he's saying right now, I want to break that off of you right now. But I need you to do two things first. I need you to acknowledge me, and I need you to give me permission to do what only I can do. I need you to let go and let me take over. Let me do me. Only God can say that. Again, God's saying, let me do me. Only God can say that. Come on. I feel like right now the Holy Spirit is convicting hearts. He's saying, let it go. Let it go. You've tried. Maybe you feel discouraged. Maybe you feel like, you know what? I've been struggling for that for years. For years. There's no way I can break free. Let me tell you something. I struggled with that since I was the age of 10 until I was the age of 20-something. I don't even remember, 29. Messing with that lie from the devil for 19 years. Let me tell you something. God can change anything in a moment when his presence shows up. When you give him permission, one word from the Spirit of God can change everything. And right now, I feel like the Spirit of God wants to give someone a word today. Would you give him permission? Would you acknowledge him and say, Lord, I open myself up to you. Holy Spirit, the spirit of life, I give you permission, Spirit, to write your law on my heart, to write your law on my mind, to do what only you can do, to change me from the inside out because I can't do it. Only you can do it. Only you, Holy Spirit, can do it. And that's how we live our best life. Yeah, Jesus, 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 Jesus. I hear him saying, Holy Spirit saying, I give life because you're with me. I give life because in me is the presence of God. And in me, I can set your mind on the things above. That's how we get our best life. And I just want to make room. We're going to worship a little bit. Because I feel like you guys are hungry. You guys came hungry. The Spirit of the Lord is moving. And again, if you feel like you know what? I feel like there's someone else in this room who didn't come up earlier who needs prayer. I really mean that. I feel like there's someone else in this room who didn't come up earlier who needs prayer. And we're going to pray, and we're going to worship, and I want to give you an opportunity to come up here. 
I feel like there's addictions that need to be broken off. I feel like there are chains that need to be broken right now. I feel like there are things that you've been holding on to that you've been trying to accomplish by yourself and God is saying, no, let me take over. Let me do what only I can do. I feel like there's someone struggling with a sin or an addiction. I'm, I'm not sure what it is yet. It, it could be anxiety. It could be depression. Something that's been gripping you. Something that's been holding you, holding you captive. And you're not sure. You're not sure if you, can, if you can overcome it. And God is saying, I can. Not you. I can. And I want you to come up. And I'm not trying to embarrass you. But I want you to come up because I believe that in the presence of the Lord, in front of a cloud of witnesses, there is strength. So that the whole house can rally behind you. I want to pray for you. I want, I want you I want you to hear the word of the Lord. Don't be afraid. I feel like there's someone here. I feel like there's someone here. Please, don't wait. The Lord is saying, I'm here. I want to break something off right now. The Lord is saying, I want to break something off right now. You've been trying on your own. You've been trying on your own. And he's saying, no. Give me permission. And let me do what only I can do.